I'm just going to pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would take all the things that we've learned this weekend, that you would write them on our hearts, Jesus. So, I just want to thank everybody for coming, man. What a, I've been so blessed by this weekend getting to see people that I love and from this region and so thankful just for the Lord's mercy to have this time with you guys. And I know everybody else here feels the same. And, and for those that have you know, flown or driven long distances, I mean, it's precious fellowship, and, you know, it's been a bit of a light conference, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, we, you know, we kind of started off on Thursday night with some uh, testimonies, and then we moved into the teaching, and I want to... I want to end with a few concluding remarks. You know, you come to a conference like this, and, you know, two days of just intense teaching and lots of Bible verses, and, and uh, the question we really want to ask is, what do we do with this? You know, we, we kind of get stirred up, and we know, we know we need to respond, and we want to respond outside of just our immediate context of the conference itself, and, and so... Uh, there's just there's lots of things we could say, but there, I have just a few thoughts that are in my heart just to, to close us. And kind of a, a way or two from here, if you will, but just, uh, just some practical thoughts that I pray uh, are strengthening as we, we end here. Where to from here? Oh, before I jump into this, I just want to say for the record, if my wife's watching, you're in trouble when I get home. She The, the question about the children and the preparing that came from my wife. And she said it specifically to see how I would answer it. Uh, she's smart. She called me. You're in trouble, honey. No, I love my wife. I'm so thankful for her. Can't wait to see, see her and my, my family. So, where to from here? Number one. You know, the, I think this, this analogy gets overused big time, but the, the green pill and the red pill, right? The, the reality of uh, what's the, the movie where, uh, yeah, so I think it's The Matrix or something. Uh, I don't, it's been a long time since I, you know, whatever. But the, the question, you know, do I take the red pill and, and face reality or do I kind of live in the, the false reality, Right. The fire is coming, right? The fire is coming. We can either just kind of ignore it and brush it under the rug, or we just acknowledge the fire is coming. The fire is coming because Jesus is sending it. And when Jesus sends fire, it's always redemptive. It's always good, even if it's, if it's painful. And so we need to let just one practical where to from here is let's face the reality. It's coming. Trust that the Lord's reasons for it are good. And in the context of trusting him on that level, 
letting him renew our minds. You know, understanding matters. My people perish for lack of vision, for lack of understanding. The priests, do, they, they have a role for sure. True doctrine, sound doctrine, clear, good Bible teaching is essential. But the reality is, I mean, we've got the scriptures accessible to us in a form in our generation. I mean, post the printing press. But now even more so with Bible software and, you know, on your Kindle or your cell phone. We have access to the word in ways able, you know, the, the, the amount of research you can do in the scriptures at a single click of a button would have taken years, months, years for, for, for people in the past. I, I see that as a gift uh, of the Lord's uh, urgency, the need for us to really give time to the scriptures and research it in depth. We need to let God renew our minds and give us the kind of understanding that helps us not only to face the reality, but to interpret the reality rightly, not just for ourselves, but to our friends and families. And that just takes time. We've got to prioritize spending time in the scriptures, getting in small groups and Bible studies that are going to really, you know, spur one another on and, and diving in. And, and, you know, our prayer at DTN is that these resources provide good conversation starters, that they're, they're provoking, that they're strengthening, that they spur on, but they're never any substitute for the, the word of God. The script, diving into the scriptures and feasting on the scriptures and giving time to them, there's no substitute for that. There's no substitute for that. And so we pray that you guys will dive into the online resource center. We have children's books. You know, we've actually got a children's book we just posted this week about the very themes of this conference. It's called The Western Woods. And it starts off with Elijah the Eagle flying over the Western Woods, praying Ephesians 4 for the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. He gets back to his nest, and he finds a jar full of letters. And he calls a summon, he summons a council to the great oak, and they send out messengers to the different parts of the forest to warn them that fire is coming to the western woods. Here's Jesus' purpose in the fire. And we've tried to make some of these themes really tangible for kids. Those resources are free. You know, we, we, you know and then we've got songs. that you know, Some of the songs that, are, that were sung here, these, were, these are new songs. And we're praying for the Lord to open the door for, for these songs to be recorded. Um, but songs that are oriented towards the day of the Lord and the cross. And so take advantage of those resources as the Lord leads. But, and other resources outside of the Daniel Training Network Online Resource Center. Any resources that are going to strengthen you in the gospel. The day of the Lord. Walking worthy of the age to come. Carrying the cross in view of eternal glory and, and, and his appearing. Those are, make, you know, we want to make sure that we're eating wheat and not chaff. Okay, so let's have discernment in it. But there are good resources out there, but let's ask the Lord for discernment. But we need our minds to be renewed in that. And adjust the practicals of giving ourselves to prayer and giving ourselves time in the Word and prioritizing it is, is there's no substitute for it. There's no, there, it's necessary. Number two, prayers. Our priority prayers. You know, after an event like this, I start to think, man, what, do, what is the fruit that I pray would come from something like this? And my mind usually first turns, I mean, it turns to things like what I just shared, but also the prayers that are prayed. If, if as a fruit of this conference, you come away and you find yourself praying, prepare me, God, get me ready, get my family ready, 
knowing, I mean, the very fact that you're praying it to him assumes that you can't do it yourself, which is true, and that's the point. It's driving us to lean on him. But regularly integrating that into our prayers, God, just get me ready, however you define that, by whatever means, so that I can stand firm through those days. Do it. Do it. If that, if I, if, if I begin to pray that prayer more myself and my friends and anybody touched by this conference begins praying that, I mean, it's, it's awesome. That's, that's what we're praying for. That's what we want to see. And the next one, give me a love for the truth. Give me a love for the truth. We've got to cultivate that prayer. Give me the love. We don't naturally have a love for the truth. We need him to give it to us, you know, and remove that. That, that goes with removing deception. Remove deception. And that's related, of course, to diving into the source of truth that God's entrusted to the saints. Number three, rightly understanding the process of sanctification. Rightly understanding the process, the way God's designed it to happen. And I realize that I, I've experienced I've misunderstood the Lord's dealings in my life many times in this area because I've misunderstood the way he accomplishes it, misinterpreted it. And what I mean by that is Jesus seems to have ordained the hemming in approach rather than the immediate zap it approach. Okay? What I mean is time is a variable in the equation and circumstances and God set it up a particular way. And, and I, you know, I, I've always gotten really discouraged. You know, I, all those testimonies I shared on, on, on Thursday. And then in the midst of that struggle and the fire being applied, I, I know God's doing something. He's trying to cleanse me. But in the, basically what happens is he hems you into a situation and the way that whole process happens produces a certain kind of fruit. And I, I, I just always get so discouraged. Like, why am I not seeing more fruit in this area? Why am I not having more character development? I get really discouraged about it. And the reason is because I'm like, and I'm, I, I get kind of frustrated at God sometimes. Why aren't you changing me? And it's because I just want the zap. And sometimes he gives us that extra, like, power boost, right? You do get those kind of extra, those those times where there's an extra surge of, of growth, if you will. Morning coffee definitely helps. Or hurts, actually, depending on, you know, coffee can tweak with you in not good ways, too. You know, but, but the, the question is, why is the hemming in approach, why is that so important to God, time and process and arrangement of circumstances, why does he value that so much? And not just the, oh, God, change me. Zip. Oh, yes, I'm changed. You know, like, why are the processes so important? Because that's what all, we're talking about the fires coming, right? These are going to be processes that take place in real life circumstances. I lost my job, or I'm waiting for a breakthrough. I need some more of this, or I need some more of that. And it kind of happens over time, right? Usually with a delay, and God's doing something in our hearts, and you're waiting for an answer. Well, the goal of sanctification, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Is for people, human beings, in a dark, depraved age, to go from being unlike God to becoming like God, right? That's pretty simple, right? 
Would, you say, would we all say that's a pretty safe definition that we can all agree on? To go from being not like God to becoming like God. Well, for us to understand what that process is going to look like, we need to know what God is like. God is just and God is merciful. God is just and God is merciful. And when we talk about God's just, God being just and His justice, I'm not just here talking about punishment. You know, a lot of times justice has just and justice have different nuances, right? We say somebody hurts somebody. We want justice. What we want justice, and what we're actually meaning is we want retribution, we want punishment. And punishment is a subset of justice because God sometimes has to administer punishments because to maintain justice. But, you know, that's a subset. But let's take it up on a, on a, on a little bit higher level, understanding justice to mean righteous and just ways that allow the creation to operate according to God's intended design for it. His ways, the way He relates to it, the way He relates to human beings, the way He relates to all creation. If, you, if, if we do that, if we relate to others and relate to His creation according to His ways, other human pe- beings, our family, our children, according to His own ways, then it's going to lead to good and well-being. It's going to lead to, you know, Isaiah 2, when Jesus comes back, he's got, the nations aren't going to take up arms anymore, right? He's going to teach us His ways so that we can relate to each other on a national level, the nations, Israel, so that we don't fight anymore. That's God's justice. We're relating to one another justly. Now, because God is just, Isaiah 11, there's going to be many people that he slays with the breath of his mouth. That's also springing from his justice. Because sometimes his justice and his goodness expressed toward the whole involves punishment. Right? It, ha- it has to. But let's, I'm, I want us to think here in terms of justice on that, that, that general level of character and ways that lead to the good of others and mercy towards others. God, he's zealous about justice. The day of the Lord makes that very clear, but he's also zealous about mercy, right? And his mercy is a provision for when we stumble in his righteous, when we, you know, in his righteous ways. I mean, we, if we don't have both of those things operating, we can't actually think about what, I mean, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments, right? So we have to go for obedience. But if we stumble, I mean, how would that, how would it, how would it feel if we stumbled once and we had no chance after that, right? I mean, obviously, we can't go there either. But you can't just have mercy all the time and just do whatever. It's kind of like, I do whatever I want because I'm leaning on the mercy of God and I don't care about His commands. That, that's not going to settle with Him either, right? And so we want to become just human beings where our ways, where I don't hurt my wife with my words anymore. I want to not do that. I've done that so many times and you, you know, you're repenting. God sees repentance in itself. That's a righteous thing to do. It's righteous before him. It's just, you, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the way of reconciliation. But when others stumble and harm me, I need to show them mercy just like God's shown me mercy. I'm not a naturally merciful person either. Most of us want justice. We want mercy for ourselves, but justice 
or punishment for, against others, right? We want them to be held to the standard, but then when, we, when he exposes our sin, we want mercy for ourselves, right? And so the hemming in approach to sanctification results in both of those, okay? God is inherently just and he's inherently merciful. We're neither. So the instant zap approach means I get the righteous ways, but the hemming in approach means I get the righteous ways and the mercy at the same time. Does this make sense? Here's what I mean. I could say, God, change me and make me like you, and he could easily zap me and, woo, I'm like him, right? Or he can set up a scenario. He sets up a scenario. The scenario is, I am going to surround Tim with kids that I'm, I'm going to set up a scenario where all the children are crying at the exact same time and Tim has absolutely no idea how to get them to stop. That happens sometimes, right? And I'm like, huh, huh, all right, all right, you know, girls, okay, do this. And then suddenly you find yourself in a situation and, and you're hemmed in and, and you respond too harshly, right? Anybody experience that? No, right? And immediately the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're like, you know, my default setting would be, God, why am I, why are you not changing me? He's like, well, hold on, hold on. That's kind of what we're doing. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I just stumbled. In my speech, I was just too harsh. And so what happens is, now he's exposed the fact that you have something in you that needs to be changed, right? And so you hit your face. And you repent, and you cry out for mercy, right? And you receive that mercy, and you receive his love for you, and he says, I forgive you. But here's the, what's happened with me so many times. I hit my, I, I, I'm crying out, oh, God, forgive me. You've shown me my depravity. You know, the circumstance that brought the pressure, whether, or an economic pressure. There have been many times where, you know, I'm, I'm with, on, the, on the level of economics, you know, we have no money, we have no money, we have no money. I'm like, I'm not going to get mad at you, God, this time. I'm not going to get mad at you this time. No, no. And he just pushes, pushes, and finally, what are you doing, God? I can't take it anymore. I'm just like, oh, rage. And then, what was that? Oh, and then suddenly that, that, that anger is replaced by remorse. And you're like, my God, I had hatred for you in there. I had blasphemy in my heart. That, that's what, oh my God, have mercy. And you hit your face and you cry out and you're weeping. God, forgive me, save me. So many times in these circumstances, I've been in that situation and the temptation is to accuse God for not answering my prayers when actually he's answering my prayers. What's, what he's doing is he's set up a circumstance to expose your depravity, to get you to repent and to receive his mercy. And so many times when I've been in that place, that's where I feel I'm just tearing testimony. There have been so many times where I felt the spirit at that moment of mercy come into me and begin to, like, I, just like almost groans or some, tears sometimes. I, it's, there's, it's never, not always the same, but I, the spirit's doing something and, I, and you can sometimes feel something shifting and you're weeping and crying out and you receive the mercy and then you, and then you stand up and, well, wait a minute. Something shifted, and I'll step out, and I'll be, in, and I'll find, man. The next couple of days, I'm a little more patient. 
Like he actually did change me, but in the process, it came only when I was kind of, when I was connecting with the cross and his mercy. That's when he could entrust an infusion of character, if you will, to me without me becoming self-righteous in the process. Does this make sense? If he gives me them instant zaps with no mercy, then I'm just going to go around being awesome. I want that character, but I have, to, I have to walk out that character and that righteousness from an outlook of how much mercy I've received. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? This is why the hemming in approach is necessary because he wants to give us that character, but it has to be coupled with the mercy. Otherwise, it'll be real, a real quick path to self-righteousness and Phariseeism. Okay? Does this make sense, what I'm saying? So understanding the processes of sanctification, this is why the fire that we've been talking about this conference is going to look like events, circumstances, things that weren't expected or this or that. And for us to realize that when God is exposing those things in us, it's not always because he's not answering our prayers, but he is answering our prayers. And we have to understand the way he's doing it is essential to us becoming like him as one who is just and has righteous ways and one who is merciful at the same time. Does this make sense? Okay. So rightly understanding sanctification is key. The fires are meant to sanctify and we need to understand what's actually happening around us. I need to understand, like just any game, if you're playing football, you need to know what's happening around you if you're going to play the game effectively. We need to number the next one here. Brace ourselves for the necessary humiliation that is coming to the church. Who likes the idea of humiliation? It's coming. But it's good and it's clean. Anything that won't stand in his sight, even if it's got a Christian name to it, he's going to have to humble it. And humiliate it, even if it has his name on it. it. You know, we're using, you know, that just happens a lot. We, and so we need to thank God for that. And some of the issues we were talking about tonight, even, demonstrate that. On the issue of knowledge, for example, right? You know, we're talking about, like, issues of the law and Jew and Gentile and these different things. And, you know... 2,000 years of all, all kinds of stuff. You know, the reality is, there's, there's, and I'm including myself in this as the chief, there's so much pride right now, just as in the church and in me. I don't, there's just a lot of pride. There's a lot of pride, and that pride manifests itself in so many ways, but it's in the area of knowledge, Right? There's just a lot of pride. I mean, just this, even leading up to this conference, I, you know, just with some of the guys here, I had to repent to them for my, my prideful relationship. Like, I got, you know, I get to that point where now suddenly it's not about truth as much as it is about being right. Okay, and, and you can start getting into all those things. But there's just so much pride right now in all of us that we need to really thank Him for this humiliation when it comes when it comes to, for example, like knowledge, um, we need to realize that in context of the humiliation, Jesus will continue to, to ground us in the truth of the gospel as we cry out to him for it. But one thing, uh, 
recently when I, like, I was just talking about having some discussion with, with some of my closest friends recently, and, and you know, there's this, this theological minefield. And you look at Facebook and just everybody's just throwing out their opinions here and here and here and just you know, going around in circles and circles and circles, and, and you, can, you can just kind of see the, the pride levels rising, <laughs> you know, and this, this cycle, and, and it, you know, in the beginning, in the garden, the serpent told Eve, if you eat this fruit, you'll be wise like God. God wasn't trying to withhold wisdom from them. He just knew it had to be administrated in a certain way. Otherwise, it would be what it is now, right? The quick road. The road, the, the immediate path to knowledge. And, you know, today, you know, I, I, I picture it like a, an interstate. Right? We all want the interstate. We want to get on the interstate and get the fast track 75 miles down the interstate and, you know, we go to school and try to get our Ph.D. and cram through as many books as we can in four years. We may not actually read the books or listen to the people in the books. We just try to cram through as many so that we can kind of have this bibliography. And, and now we've got the, the degree and now we can show people how much we know. And now we're part of, now we've got credibility as defined by the systems of men and, you know, all these things. And it's this fast track to knowledge. We want to get on the interstate and get there as fast as we can, build our career, all these things. Jesus seems to be all about the, that back roads, gravel, dirt road path, right? He says, I have no problem with their, you know, we kind of get all these, Lord, there's all these different opinions on theology and this and that. And, and we're like, why don't you just zap us with the truth? And it's like, well, I got some other agendas I have in mind as well as giving you truth. And in fact, if I don't do it this way, you'll grow in truth in one way and not in truth in the other way, and so it'll jack the whole thing up. So let's do this. Let's do the gravel road approach, the back roads approach, where you can go 30 miles an hour instead of 60, where sometimes your car breaks down, and you're stuck on the side of the road, and you're waiting for somebody else to come pick you up, and you're depending on them. Sometimes rocks will come and hit your windshield and break it and you can't, you thought you could see clearly, but now you can't see anything. It's like, ugh. and sometimes you, you, you'll hit a dusty spot and there'll be dust and you got to get out and stop and clean it off. And, and it takes about, it's about 20 miles instead of two miles. <laughs> okay. And God's okay with that. He's okay with that. And it's for our own good, but we have to realize that he just he, and he, he humbles us, and we need to realize that what's going to happen right now in the body of Christ, just to say it, it's a, it's a theological war zone is what it is. It's a theological war zone, and, you know, we're just kind of just whatever, whatever, and, you, you, you know, we, we don't, it kind of comes down to, well, this guy believes this, thing, this guy believes this other thing, and how can we really know which one is true, and so we kind of relativize it a little bit, when in reality... There are certain ideas that are true and other ones that aren't, right? And how are we going to, what is the path to truth in that situation? Well, Proverbs 2, cry out for truth, cry out for understanding, seek for it. I mean, seeking and crying out involve 
you know, assuming you can't do it yourself, you can't get there the fast way, you've got to depend on him. It's the back, it's the back roads approach. But all this to say the fire is going to have the effect of sifting out theologies that aren't going to, that aren't going to produce the kind of fruit Jesus is looking for. Okay? When the pressures come, there are some ideas ideologies, thought systems that just, they just can't stand in it. And you're either going to have to decide, do I adjust it? In which case you're like, okay, God, I was believing this. And what's the, like, how do I, what do I, how do I deal with this now? And then, okay, I got to adjust. And the Lord begins to adjust our perspective and bring it into a greater agreement with the truth. Or some, in some situations, we may have to deny the faith. Right? In, in extreme situations, you know, if you've grown up being taught your whole life that problems are not a part of the Christian faith, right? And suddenly problems hit you. That's a very vulnerable place to be, isn't it? So you have to decide, okay, well, what do, how do I interpret these difficulties? How do I, do I shift my grid to reinterpret them? How do I define God's goodness in light of some of these things? Or you pray that they don't get, become so disillusioned that they say, well, I've been taught lies and, and I'm, God's not good and all these kinds of things, right? This is very practical. And so we just need to brace ourselves for the coming humiliation uh, whether it's on a theological level, right? Whether it's a church structure type of thing where we're boasting in how big our buildings are. Whether it's a how gifted, our, how awesome our music sounds and, you know, this. Or, um, whatever, whatever it is, if it's not going to stand before him, he is zealous enough and his love means he must deal with it. Okay? And we need to just brace ourselves by that, but just see his goodness in the midst of it. And finally, the last thing I'm going to share here as we wind down is community. Finding other believers, even if it's just a handful that you know. Getting connected with believers that are committed to the scriptures, committed to praying together, committed to crying out for the truth together. Developing a culture of the cross together. Everything in us wants to, to build out, build things in ways that are contrary to the value system of the cross. The cross displays an entire value system which is reflective of the heart of God. And to build our lives, to embrace the smaller versus the bigger because we really are believing in the age to come, to become secure enough to lay down your life in this way or that way because we're, our, our real value is in what's ahead. We need one another to spur each other on in that. So finding other believers wherever you are that are committed to going deep, even if you're not sure on all the issues like about the gospel and, well, I... This, this group is teaching this on the kingdom. This group is teaching this on the kingdom. What's, what's the kingdom? And, and realizing that that is an opportunity to cry out to God to guide you in truth. And doing that together, walking the journey, 
whether it's using reading some books or di- most importantly diving the scriptures or you know even you know working through the DTN resources at least working through the issues together and say we're going to we're going to go for this thing and having that love for the truth so it's it's hugely important so that we don't we just can't do it alone and we if we get isolated that's it's going to be really bad to be isolated in these days it's going to be really bad. You don't want that to happen. Somebody, you know, I've been in situations where I didn't have anything. And the Lord put it on somebody's heart to give, me, to give us some food. Right? And the Lord just wants me to receive it from them. And then other times when I have something and they don't, and he puts it on my heart to give, I, you know, it's a good thing we're, we're in related in that way. And so it's just really important that we stay closely connected and, and uh, find people of like mind and, and, and spur one another on in the truth of the gospel. That's it. That's it. We're going to wind this thing down. Um, and I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm just going to pray. And I uh, pray that those of you who are traveling... Uh, if you're traveling tonight especially, but uh, anytime uh, over the next couple of days, if you're traveling by, by, by car, by vehicle, um, by airplane, I just want to pray that the that, uh, Lord give you grace in that. Father, we, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. I thank you for every person in this room, your love for them, your flock. Lord, we thank you so much just for the way you lead us and guide us. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your commitment to setting us apart and sanctifying us, making us look different than the world and making us look like you. Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness. And I pray for for every man and woman in this room as they travel, God, that you would encounter them, the things that we've learned from you, Jesus, at this conference, God, that they'd sink down and that you would give us that love for the truth, that you would make us ready and prepare us to stand firm on the day that you appear. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.